Hello. Hey, Marilyn. Hi, Dan. Hi. How's it going? It's good. How are you doing? Oh, good. Good. Still kind of... <clears throat> still waking up a little bit. Yeah, no, I know the feeling. I didn't sleep very well last night. Neither I did had, I. I had it's a, like uh, something in the air, I guess. No, I'm a generally a pretty good sleeper, but I, I had a very strange dream. Oh, you having a 365? Yes, sir. Uh-huh. I'm having three beverages. What you got? Coffee, I'll circle, tea, I'll circle and back uh, to it. breast I'll, milk. I'll circle, cir- cir- fresh milk? Breast, breast milk is what I said, but fresh milk. Would... I mean, I hope all milk is breast milk. <laughs> I don't want butt milk. I mean, uh, yeah, all, all, all milk is breast milk. All milk, all the great milks. <laughs> I had a dream that I still lived in Tallahassee, and Jason Snell picked me up at my old house in Tallahassee and his Nissan Leaf. And then um, <laughs> took me on a tour of all the play, all the things he mentioned in podcasts. That sounds Except lovely. He, it was nice. It was a long dream. He didn't. He does a lot of shows, but he wouldn't show me his Nerf brain, which broke my heart a little bit. Some I've seen the would, Nerf brain would, in real life. I think some people would call that um, withholding a dream, a dream date. Well, it literally was a dream date. Uh huh. Dan, it was uh-huh. in a dream. We had a date in uh-huh. a Nissan Leaf. La la la. Yeah. Um, and in a dark and underpass. And uh, what else? So, yeah, I've seen the Nerf brain, you know, in uh, IRL, as they say, meat space. Mm. We don't say that as much anymore, do we? No, not really. Um, mm. But I, I've seen the Nerf brain in pictures. I haven't seen yeah, it. Yeah, the person. Nerf brain. He's got, all, he's, got his, he's got his Visa monitor mount and the dryer. Um, I don't think you can buy the, the Nerf brains anymore. They were called brain balls. Brain balls. Brain balls. I used to have that all the time when I was in puberty. Mm-hmm. You had three mm-hmm. beverages, because all wrinkly. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's where all the uh, that's where all the memories go. <clears throat> okay, it's gonna be one of those three beverages. I have three beverages before me. Uh, I have uh, a coffee I just made. I have a fizzy water. Yeah, uh, which is a Safeway uh, signature select, and I, I'm having some. Uh, I'm having a taste of childhood that I've rediscovered which is not very healthy for me, but it is very, it does, it does get all the memories out of my scrot, <laughs> which is this uh, pineapple juice from Concentrate by the Dole Company. Dole. Comes in a little, Dole. Dole. <laughs> Dole brain balls. Dole. Hi. Hey, Dole. sharks. I want to tell you about my brain balls. Dole. I have a memory. It's trapped in the invaginations of my downstairs bag. <laughs> and so that's Dole. Dole. <laughs> pineapple juice concentrate i even got it in a small glass like a fancy man yeah um you got to really refrigerate it one of my problems with some juices especially a pineapple juice is i feel like it it, it chills unevenly you drink water all the water is the same temperature chills unevenly pineapple juice chills unevenly that's what you say when you go to the the pigeon drop and you meet another spy from yale you got to give them the code phrase Mm -hmm. yeah i feel like there's spots i thought you just drew you draw a curved line and then he comes and draws a reverse curved line underneath it and makes a fish a concave and a con oh like a jesus fish sure Mm Mm-hmm. which is the christian rock version of fish Mm -hmm. um you know fish has a song that i like you know, I like a fish song. There's one fish song I like a lot. Anyway, pineapple juice, I feel like um, perhaps owing to its viscosity, but I couldn't say. But I think I think you get little like limpid pools of warmth uh, in your pineapple juice from Concentrate by Dole. So I, I, I ice it real good. Right here, I got it. Mm. Mm. Even, mm. even at the office, you do that. Mm-hmm. Not even the rain. Um, I swear to Christ, I just, I just defrosted my freezer at the office for the first time. 
I've had it, have had it since August. But but the gift I'm telling you, I'm telling you, this has got to be when you amortize pound for pound, one of the greatest Christmas gifts I ever got. I got a uh, a small personal uh, ice maker. It was my big gift from the family uh, at Christmas. I got a an ice maker, and it makes uh, that good ice, the little pellet ice, and it's changed everything. Dan, it makes three pounds of ice an hour. The the uh, the uh, what are the you doing with three pounds good. of ice an hour though? Whatever I want, it goes everywhere. I could chill my bag. I can I can make the viscosity work for me. Uh huh. I mean, if I'm being honest, the reason so I ordered that freezer. It was really hard this past summer to find a freezer that you could get even. Like Best Buy was sold out of like everything because people were buying freezers for the same reason I was, which is, you know, pandemic. And I wanted to like, not not to like be a weirdo, but just that part of it was also just overdue. Like we have a small refrigerator at the house, like everything. We basically live in a hobbit hole. And uh, and that would enable me to do things like buy, buy bulk, get a bulk <laughs> bag. I could buy in bulk, uh-huh. brain balls, uh-huh. by dole, mm-hmm. viscosity, mm-hmm. memory flap. Dove bar. And then I could put it, and then I, I also have the electricity at work <laughs> that would accommodate something that's not a lamp from 1932. Um, and so that was the original thing. But I think, as I say, if I'm being honest, part of it also was I really enjoy having ice around. And that enabled me to have ice. But then I would have to order ice. And ice starts getting costly. You know, when you're having it ordered, I can't really make a lot of ice. And that's when my family, especially, let's be honest, my wife, cut the Gordian knot and Mm. got me an ice machine. And it's the kind of ice they give a pregnant lady at the hospital. Pellets, they call it. Oh, the little, almost like chips. Ice chips. Chips. Yep, 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 Mm -hmm. yep. I can send you a photo. And they melt melt real good. Um, And it's, it's changed my game, Dan. You know, it's really changed the game. Yeah. So I guess we should button it up. Okay. Um, I don't have too much prepared. I have a couple items. Well, I, I mean, this is this is something I can dispense with ridiculously quickly. Okay. Okay. Last week at the very end of the show, because I'm terrible at this kind of thing. Yeah. I suggested that since I'm in a mood lately to talk about <laughs> infrastructure, uh-huh. I suggested that our listeners um, write us a letter to the Twitter account that I can never remember and never use, never look at mm. for the show, mm-hmm. which is B numeral two W one word mm-hmm. work, work dot com <laughs> dot Twitter slash anytime USA nine double O two six. Yes. Um, because the government has money that they don't want you to know about. So you can write to Pueblo, Colorado and get a catalog. Mm-hmm. Anyhow, I did that. <laughs> but then the thing is, we never look at that. Nobody, nobody's on Twitter anymore. Thank God. And, uh, and then this morning I thought to myself, I went, huh, I think I, I sent people somewhere to send us a letter. And then I have found the account, which I think nothing's been posted on for something like nine years. And, and then on top of it, even though I used to be a seasoned technologist, I was having trouble figuring out how to see what people had written to us at that account. Oh. So I used the advanced search technique. Right. Uh, prepending with the word two and a colon. And, uh, and then I couldn't get them in date order. So there's a lot of people mentioning, you know, things about bulk bag and whatnot. Mm-hmm. And uh, so I can't tell if anybody wrote to us. My sense is no one wrote to us. But now I'm going to cut that Gordian knot into four more Gordian knots. <laughs> All right. I'm going to make it easy on y'all. Okay. Which is, to, I'm going to do something I don't normally do, which uh, I'm going to say, go listen to something else I did. Don't stop listening to this, but um, um, 
one of the other programs I do is called Dubai Friday. It's at DubaiFriday.com. It's a weekly challenge podcast, or as my friend Alex says, challenge, because <laughs> they're from Chicago. And anyhow, um, I I love doing that show, and uh, I can tell I love doing a show if I if I like the co-host and and I and I like listening to what we've made. And we did a really good uh, episode last week, and we did a very good after show last week. The after show is something you usually only get from our Patreon, which I will not promote here because who cares. But what I'm going to tell you is this. Sometimes if we have an after show we think was really good, we'll, uh, as they say in the parlance, unlock it. So I put it in show notes. You can go to dobyfriday.com and find last week's main episode and last week's after show. Why am I telling you this? Because we did talk a lot about infrastructure. And it went to some extremely interesting places. Uh, If anybody's listened to the show in the past, I I would say you might want to check out the after show because there's some real good stuff in it. And if you like the guy who used to be Merlin Mann, you're really uh, going to like it. But it's not just me. It's uh, Alexandra as well. So anyway, if you want some infrastructure talk. Now, if you, if you want to hear us talk about infrastructure, you should have called in during the Elderly Pets episode. But you can go to that Twitter account that I can't remember now. And if you write something there, maybe we'll find it. Let me, let me, let me, <laughs> let me put it another way. Um, if you would like any, if you have any questions, and, and don't, don't be a dick. But if you have any questions about infrastructure-ish things, just uh, you can write to me. I'm Hot Dogs Ladies on Twitter. I don't look at it a lot, but I'm there. And then, um, and then, uh, and then I would like to talk about that because I'm still very interested in this, Dan. Did you know I have an interest in discussing infrastructure? Were you aware of that? I, I mean, I really wasn't aware that you were as into it as you seem to be. It um, seems like it seems like an overlooked piece. When, well, um, tell me what you mean also when you say okay, sure, infrastructure. Sure. I mean, we might as well rehash it. I mean, it's just more podcasts to listen to. We don't charge for them most of the time. Because um, uh, infrastructure, uh, I think, means different things to different people. I think about uh, a couple a couple words that I'm using out of their usual context. One is infrastructure. Another is scaffolding. Um, scaffolding uh, in that particular term, I first heard used by a friend of the show, Ethan Schoonover the guy who created Kinkless GTD, and we did a little bit of work with the um, Omni Group people on OmniFocus back in the day. And uh, I just always thought he had such a good way of putting this. Gosh, I learned so much from him. Um, never learned AppleScript from him. The entire thing, the whole, the whole Rube Goldberg device of mm-hmm. Kinkless GTD was one big wad of AppleScript. It's the craziest thing. Wow. And at the time, Ethan was a photographer. Now Ethan's a dungeon master. At the time, he was an, he was an uh, East Asian photographer, and now I think he's a DM. Oh, you know who else is a DM? Dan. Who? Uh, Deborah blah, 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 uh, Karen Page from Daredevil is a DM. You know, the, the, the cute strawberry blonde lady oh, on Daredevil? yeah, of course. Um, She's <clears throat> totally a DM. She was in uh, True Blood, too, as Jessica the Vampire, That's wasn't right. she? I, I have not seen the show, but I did know that. I also learned that in the Ben Affleck version, no. uh, Foggy, uh-uh. Foggy is played by John Lovett. Doesn't, and doesn't make it any better. Karen is played by Meredith Grey from Grey's Anatomy, which huh. was real weird. All of that was weird to our family. We don't acknowledge Ben Affleck, but, but you know, we love Senor Foggy. <sighs> His given name is Franklin. Um, God, that show's good. And so Ethan, he used these words in a way that made a lot of sense to me. As somebody who had, you know, been a, um, I don't know, been in the kiddie pool of productivity for a while he, mm. he had a real clarifying influence on me when we met each other via his work on kinkless and one of the things he said was you know he talked about how there's these kinds of projects that like back in my day in business you would call them a special project 
which really just means a project. If it's anything that's sort of outside of the day-to-day, -day, you've got what you'd call special projects. And in our life, a lot of the stuff that we want to put into something like a to-do system is what you might call special projects, which is mm -hmm. like, okay, you got, you got this new gig working on this coding project, or you've got this, uh, maybe you want to like, um, I don't know, um, what do you do? You refinance a mortgage sure. or whatever. There's all that kind of stuff that's a little bit outside of the day-to-day. But when you discover there are, as, as perhaps David Allen might say, there's holes in your system, you often discover it's because you have not accounted for, uh, I, I think I'm paraphrasing Ethan here, um, maintenance and infrastructure. Maintenance so like, and infrastructure. And, you know, the thing is, my, my job, like my life, is so much just sort of on autopilot. Not autopilot, but in the sense that I do a lot of the same stuff every month, every week, every day, in some cases. The recycling and the compost should go down every day. Right. Uh, you know, I need to like pay the electric bill every month when I feel like it, you know, get a haircut, you know, uh, every once in a while. But the thing is, that's not a special project. That's no. all really boring, mundane stuff that you just got to do. You got to water the plants. You got to, I have to fight my ongoing Pyrrhic war with the cat and, and her various, you know, leavings. Mm -hmm. I got to pick, pick up two of her poops outside our bedroom door yesterday morning. Because that's my job. Doesn't that now, mean that the something kind of thing? when they do that, Merlin? Doesn't that mm -hmm. indicate? Usually means there's going to be a good crop. Okay. okay. Um, you'll have a, a comely daughter that you'll be able to trade for a mule. Uh -huh. It's considered a harbinger. So uh -huh. we got a double harbinger of kitty cat title. And I think that's one way we get real screwed up. This is part of a bigger pattern. But what I want to get at here is that we like to go in and, oh, I'm going to go trick out my system. I'm going to go put all these things in and make all these meaningless lists of stuff that I may or may not ever do. And we completely overlook the stuff that we do want on autopilot in the sense that I don't want to have to think about that stuff. You know, that's what, like I've said for years, OmniFocus has been the place where I put stuff I never want to think about again. Right. And I do that in a lot of ways, a lot of places. I'm not, I'm not a crazy person about it, but I can just tell you that as I, as I sit here today, I, I break a cardinal rule of GTD every day because it helps my sanity, which is I start practically over every day with task paper at this point. Yeah. And I write down the things that I need to do like with a light bit of context. Um, but I mean, that could be some stuff that we used to call special projects, but a lot of it is going to be maintenance stuff. Like if I go and, and if I go and look right now, I can tell you probably the top item on there. I changed the batteries on the smoke alarm last night on two of them, but I forgot, didn't have time to put them back up. I didn't feel like getting the ladder. So the top of my list is put smoke alarms back up, you know, at sign house. Um, and so, okay. So your question, um, uh, Infrastructure to me mm -hmm. is, oh, so, and then the other, other word was scaffolding. So he always thought of kinkless and later OmniFocus as being a scaffolding. It's not, it's not the building that will be there when you're successfully finished with the project. The yeah. building is what hopefully will endure. But in order to make the building, to build the building, you're going to need scaffolding. You're going to need a support structure around where the actual building isn't yet. Mm -hmm. And that is what you're going to use to make the building go up and hopefully stay up. And I found that a really, I'm probably overthinking it like I do, but I think that's a very lucid way to think about what we need to do something that isn't done yet. So you, you can put that however you want. Maintenance, like <laughs> it's just stuff I've got to do. There's just house stuff that has to be done. Mm -hmm. If I don't bring up the toilet paper, people are going to be sad. Mm -hmm. That's my job. I have to do that. That's maintenance stuff. Infrastructure or scaffolding, that's the stuff that enables me to like focus on the building and not have to think constantly about what I use to get more than five feet off the ground. Um, 
And I'm, you know, I could probably ruin that analogy in a million ways, but I think it's pretty cool and I'll leave it at that. So infrastructure for me, again, as we discussed on uh, Do by Friday last week, is giving yourself a set of, well, I have to say it begins with sort of awareness where you think about what the thing is that you're meant to be doing. You, you, you do a lot of planning. Uh, again, I was quoting a book, I think it was Rapid Development, but a book, back, uh, de- book for developers back in the day that had this wonderful chart comparing the costs of change. And I, I think this is somewhat disputed over the years, but the idea that if you make a change at the very earliest part of the spec versus, so like you're, if, you're, if you're making up the spec for the big bridge project, a cost of change will be this much on the left side early in the project. The cost of change after it's already built and cars are dangerously driving across it, guess what? Those costs go way up. The earlier in your process you're thinking things through, um, looking at risk management, looking at things like resource planning, resource leveling, all the kind of stuff, you know, obsessive retired project managers like me, the kind of stuff that we obsess over. Um, that kind of process does not have to be quite that heavy. You don't need a Gantt chart for the litter box. Mm-hmm. Now, that sounds like something I would have said on here in 2011, let's be honest. <laughs> you don't need a Gantt chart for that. It would be way too heavy. But you can also understand that, you know, again, to, to paraphrase David Allen, you're, uh, you're, you're, all of your life is worth living. You know, it's, <laughs> there's no, there shouldn't be too many parts of your life that aren't worth living because then they shouldn't be your life. So it's valuable to think about the way that all of the little pieces work together in your life. And I think you could arguably say, in, again, in the parlance, is now more than ever. Like if, you're, if your house is also a, where, you, where you live and where your kid goes to school and, you know, sometimes where construction projects happen, mm-hmm. it's more valuable than ever to be able to know about all those integrating parts. You know, when you and I first got jobs, you know, you weren't supposed to get personal calls at work. Right. Yes. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Most companies today, you're still not supposed to be like using company resources, I'm guessing, or team resources, however you want to cut it up. I'm, I mean, I'm 54. What do I know? Hey, happy birthday to Lauren Graham, who apparently has always been mostly the same age as me hmm. from Gilmore Girls. Isn't that wild? That is We've wild. We've always been mostly the same age. You ever, does that ever occur to you that you're, you've always been mostly the same age as somebody? Like you ever, your kids have friends that are like three years younger or three years older. And like pretty soon you're like, it just doesn't make a difference anymore. <laughs> like Roderick's daughter has always been three years younger than my daughter, but she used to seem like a baby to my giant toddler. Oh, Anyway, context. I mean, has it ever occurred to you that I have yeah. agreed to look after the Overlook Hotel until May the 1st? What, well, what is it that obligates you? Does it what, matter to you, you at ag- all? Is it something that you agreed to? What, what is it that makes it so that's something that... A letter of agreement, a contract in which I have accepted that what, responsibility. What do you mean by a con? What do you mean by a contract? Do you have the slightest idea what a moral and ethical principle is? Do you? Well, I. Hmm. Has it ever occurred to you what would happen oh. to my future if I were okay. to fail to live up to my I responsibilities? You were writing a, aren't you writing a book? Why are you taking care of a hotel? What's going on? <laughs> book writes itself. And you know, when you when you bounce that ball, we can all hear that. <laughs> book writes I mean, itself. It, the Colorado room, you know, it's it's beautifully appointed, but it's not a place we bounce balls. You know, you're becoming quite a dull boy. I have watched a, a lot of documentaries about this movie. Oh, Jesus. We, we should come back to that. Okay. The Room 237. Yeah. The Walls and Mirrors. Mm-hmm. Oh, God. The Native anyway, American let me, let me, stuff. Uh, 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 the Apollo I'm gonna 11. Fin- I'm going to finish. Oh, God. Oh, my God. Yes. Okay. Please write that down. Put a pin in that. I want to hear about something you like. I just want to finish this initial ramble. Uh, 
so it's it's become apparent to me over the years, and and I I freely admit that a lot of this has to do with my own demon dogs and what it takes for me. Like I don't have OCD. Um, I, I have not been diagnosed with OCD, but one way I find some common cause with people who do uh, live with that condition is that I know there's a certain kind of song and dance that that I have to do sometimes in order to feel um, okay about something, mm-hmm. whether that's going on vacation. Or going to the grocery store. Like, I, I know that there's things I need to think through to not feel nuts. And that is, as stipulated, a huge difference between my wife and me. Whereas uh, I had this breakthrough a few months ago that she's all about forests and I'm all about trees. Which is a nice complementary relationship that can sometimes cause tension. But usually it ends up being a good tension because we're covering uh, different kinds of madness as part of our remit. Each of us has a slightly different portfolio. Mine just happens to be made of thousands of anxiety-producing trees. <laughs> and she has one nice big forest. Okay. Lucky. Uh-huh. Um, but what I, what I have come to realize over the years is, you know, infrastructure is not just a river in Egypt. It's not a thing that we just need for making bridges and buildings. Mm. It's something that we need in our day-to-day. And uh, the example, as always, that, that I, I give here and that I gave on Dubai Friday has to do with New Year's resolutions. And my theory that one of the numerous reasons New Year's resolutions tend not to work is because we lack infrastructure. Or if you like, we just even lack preparation. Pop it up another level, we lack thinking through what we're actually trying to accomplish. Mm -hmm. So we end up with this nearly impossible task in practice with no basis in yesterday's weather of what we've ever been successful at before. None of the tools, infrastructure, scaffolding to make it happen. And and so what does the infrastructure mean there? Well, I think with anything that we're trying to accomplish, it's useful to figure out this is this is a new this is a fairly new thing. If you've heard all these greatest hits before, here's here's a new one for you. I'm dropping a new uh, single here. I think the beauty of infrastructure is that you figure out a way to acknowledge that everything can be difficult and will be difficult at some point, especially if you're trying to lose weight or quit smoking or whatever. Mm. It would be foolish to say, referring there to sort of New Year's resolutions, the classics. It would be foolish to say that I can just by dint of my will and decision-making decide I'm never going to smoke again or I'm, I'm going to like get really good about my diet. Well, you won't be good about your diet until you stop buying problem foods, you get rid of the problem foods in your house, and you uh, locate and acquire foods that will be more healthy for you. Right. That's, just, that's just the easy part. That's just the raw materials part. What's going to happen when you had an edible and suddenly really want Ben and Jerry's? <laughs> well, if you've got Ben and Jerry's in the house, you're a lot more likely to eat it up yum. Because first of all, you're high. Right. If it worked. It's an edible for your edible, like Leslie Harper. Well, they always work. Say. You just need to give them time. I mean, everything works if you have low enough standards, you know, like uh-huh. Apple TV is amazing. <laughs> um, and so what I've realized in that case is that the, the, my, new, my new thinking on this, and I'm going to throw it to you, is that... And this is, I'm sort of paraphrasing Jeff Veen, who I don't know is the person who originally said this, but Jeff used to say so many smart things, but one was trying to make the right thing the easy thing. And so what I'm saying here is that with infrastructure, thinking ahead, planning, scaffolding, these kinds of things, you set a a, a course for adventure, your mind on a new romance, and you say to yourself, (laughs) I'm going to do what it takes. I'm going to do what it takes to account for what happens when I start to fail at this. I'm going to think about what happens when this falls apart, not whether it falls apart, but what is my what is my financial, uh, <laughs> moral, mental budget for dealing with the failure that will inevitably happen? Little failures sometimes. How do I account for that? And in the best of cases, infrastructure is a way to make something that 
probably will be at least a little bit difficult or inconvenient into something you maybe even look forward to doing. If you lay, as uh, Alex said, great example last week, if you put out your exercise clothes the night before, if you want to run in the morning or do a workout or swing those ropes around like you do in your rowing machine, uh, you if you put your clothes out the night before, mm-hmm. you're parking on a downhill slope. You make it easy. You make it easy on yourself to get back into it. I used to leave an index card on the uh, the seat of my office chair, so I would know the very first thing I wanted to do the next morning. You know, leaving water in the well. All the ways to look at that. All different takes on this same idea which is whatever my aspirations and desires for the future are, if I don't start thinking ahead for the me of the future and that very weak-willed person who has not just decided because the calendar flipped, I'm now a new person. Right. If I don't account for that future person who's very flawed, like the person who made the plan, I'm rehearsing failure. And I'm just going to keep failing at boring things over and over until I fail less at something that's a little bit interesting. And if you fail uh, fail a little bit less at something interesting, it's likely because you really wanted it, you really put it in place, you know, pounds on privilege, but you did what you could do to prepare for what could be very difficult and to hopefully make it a little bit easier on yourself. Mm -hmm. And if you have, uh, you know, it's good, you get some frozen grapes. Frozen grapes are a delicious treat. They're very refreshing, especially when it's hot out. It's no Ben and Jerry's, but it's better for you than Ben and Jerry's. But if you didn't think ahead to get some grapes and freeze them, or, or, you know, TK, your favorite yum snack, you know, what are you, you going to do? Are you just going to be sad? Well, you should have accounted for being sad in your project planning, in your infrastructure. And this, as in the example that I gave on Do By Friday last week, uh, that involves me picking a different time of day to do really annoying, slightly more difficult chores, mm-hmm. changing the time that I do that has been incredibly beneficial. How but so? It started with... um. I can talk more about this. I'm going on a bit. <clears throat> Did you want to respond here or tell me about something you like and I, I could pick back up? Absolutely. I will tell you a little bit uh, about feels, if that's feels. okay with you. Feels, you know, where I'm uh, I'm running low at home and I don't need to worry about it because the coolest thing People is People in my life have expressed interest in the flight, just FYI. Yes, they will. Uh, you become a member and they send it to you automatically so you don't have to stress out when it, it, you're starting to run low. But, so you're saying you get re, you get topped up. Well, yes. You get the re-up, as uh, Omar used to say. And, and I'll tell you about the flight, which is very Sorry, n- sorry, nice sorry, also. I got over your skis. No, I, I, I enjoy when you add, uh, because it, you know sometimes I forget. Well, I enjoy you, Dan. Thank you. I'm going to drink things. this pineapple juice and mute. Yeah, mute it, mute it because it doesn't, Get cool evenly. Otherwise, everybody's going to want one. I don't mm-hmm. have enough for everybody. Mm-hmm. Well, feels is wonderful because if you experience stress or have anxiety or chronic pain or ever have trouble sleeping, you know, you're not alone. All of us probably are having that kind of thing right now, even though the world is a little bit better than it was a little while ago. These are common things that people experience, uh, even in the best of times. And feels is here to help with that. It is a premium CBD that is delivered directly to your doorstep. And this is really great because there are a lot of CBD, uh, you know, tinctures or oils out there that you really don't know what their quality is going to be. I refer to them as gas station CBDs because when you drive around Austin, you'll see banners and flags outside of every other gas station. Is that right? Do they have the flappy, flappy waving man? The flappy waving man, <laughs> hold, you know, CBD here. And like, you're I, gonna... I don't mean to go all Jeff Foxworthy on your Austin ass, uh-huh. but like, I think anytime you append any word or phrase, with the phrase gas station, it's not improving the product. No, it Unless does it's not. Unless it's gasoline from gas station. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. Anything. Okay. What about, uh, uh, do you like cinnamon buns? You should try these gas station cinnamon right. buns. Right. It takes, it takes it down a notch. Oh, you know, it's, you know, it's, I feel like aspirin, get some of that gas station aspirin. 
you know, there were these, when I used to work at a, this technology company in Florida. That, the CLAC. The big one. No, no, after that. No. Um, the Sleestack. Yes. They, um, there were two ladies that once a week, they would bring this amazing uh, like barbecue in and they would eat it and they never had enough to share. And I would say, well, where do you get it? And they're like, oh, you, you wouldn't want it. You wouldn't want to get it where we get it. I'm like, well, what? May, maybe I might. And they'd say, well, Is, it's, was it it's, in, in a sort of ethnic thing? I, they, they said, oh, it's I, from yeah, a gas so station. It was a, like, you wouldn't be comfortable here. Kind yeah. Of thing? They said, cause it, they knew me and they're like, it's from a gas station. I'm like, well, you're right. I probably wouldn't. I used to get my blimpies from a gas station. I mean, you know, like I think I think if you go to a gas station and you heat up a burrito in their microwave that's been packaged, prepackaged, I feel like that's all right. A slushy with it. Or my, slur- my, 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 wife, my wife sent me a photo from 7-Eleven yesterday. I'm not sure why she was at 7-Eleven, but she sent me something from 7-Eleven. It was a photo of something that said, are you familiar with the hot sauce Tapatio? It's a pretty good hot sauce. Sure. Why not? Mexican. Oh, okay. So Tapatio, uh, it's got a guy in a hat on it, as you do. She sent me a photo. It was Tapatio Ramen. And I said, I'm trying to figure out how any part of that is a good idea. I like ramen. Yeah, you do. A lot. I like, I like pho. I like soba. Mm-hmm. I like all those things. And I, in my fridge right now, I have many, many hot sauces, especially uh, Latinx uh, hot sauces. And uh, I got to tell you, bud, the idea of a Mexican taco sauce ramen is not selling me. You could even put gas station in front of it. And I don't think I'm sold on that. Really? I'm going to say, no, I'm going to say no gracias. No es bueno. Uh-huh. Gas station. Uh-huh. So uh, there What's are- What's good with feels? Uh, what if you're having trouble sleeping or have you have like aches and pains like so many people have nowadays? It's like yes. almost in the air. Yes. Well, the, the thing about this is this is not gas station CBD. Okay. We should have clarified. I'm sorry. I apologize. I should have clarified that. This earlier. is high quality CBD. This is third party tested CBD. And the important thing is you, you want to know what you're getting and- they make sure that you do know what you're getting. And that's because there can be different strengths of CBD and you only want to take as much as you need. Even though CBD oil isn't addictive and even though you don't get hung over from it, it's all natural. There's no high or anything like that. It's not the kind with THC in it. Still, you want to make sure that you're getting quality. You want to make sure that the oil that it's that the CBD is in is high quality. You want to know what you're getting. And that's what they're all about, delivering quality to your door every month. You can pause it or cancel it at any time so you're in control of how much you get and when you get it. But then going through the process of figuring that out can be a little bit tricky. Well, they have a phone number that you can call where you can talk to real people who understand it. You tell them what you're looking for. You tell them some things about yourself and they will recommend the kind of CBD and the strength that you might want to get. But then like you mentioned, Merlin, they also have a little flight and the flight is a little kit where they send you a bunch of different CBD oils that they make in different strengths. So you can try it and see which one you need because you don't always need the strongest one and you might need not the weakest one. It's different for everybody. Uh, And so I love feels I have completely switched and uh, sometimes if my son needs to sleep better or if he's stressed out or something like that, he will take some. And he has told me that it feels is his favorite and to not ever get the other one. So, wow. yes. From the mouths of babes, am I right? It is so right. So, it's so if, true. if you would like to get in on this, what you're going to do is you're going to get 50% off your first order and you're going to get free shipping. And you do that by going to feels.com slash back to work. And that's spelled F-E-A-L-S. Feels.com slash back to work. Go there. 
become a member, get 50% automatically taken off your first order with free shipping. And so if you want to start out with the flight, you can start out with the flight and the promo code will still work when you come back around. Feels.com slash back to work. Thanks very much to them for making this show possible. Merlin Mann. Thanks, Feels. Buck, buck. You did a good job on that, Dan. Thank you. You were like, um, <clears throat> you were like um, Gunnery uh, Sergeant Hartman and I was throwing tennis balls at you and you still riffed the whole time. Well, why would you not if you're, if you're, you know, if you're the real deal, do it. I would love, I, if that story is true, I really hope there's video of it and it emerges someday. You know, I, story, I thought right? there was a video of that. Well, I've tried to find it. So supposedly, supposedly, um, uh, R. Lee Ermey had been hired by Stanley Kubrick's people as a consultant on Full Metal Jacket because they wanted to make sure they did a really good job and that obviously they'd cast an, an actor for the gunnery, Gunnery Sergeant Hartman role, mm-hmm. uh, who really is the, the star of that movie, mm-hmm. especially the first half, the much superior first half. But um, um, but talk so, about so a got, movie that that is not as good uh, in the second half as the first half, right? I like the second half a lot, especially when they first you know cut to like okay, this is Act Two. Now Joker and um, Rap, Rap, Raptor Man, Raptor whatever. Man. Yeah, so the two of them are like, you know, they're in the nom now, mm-hmm. and it's a really different movie. Mm-hmm. But boy, the way that first act ends, and the reason I'm thinking of this is because having finally been introduced to a certain villain from Spider-Verse, having that appear in uh, Daredevil, right before bed, I said, like, just give me, give me 10 minutes here. Just go watch the first 10 minutes of mm-hmm. this movie, mm-hmm. which she can handle. Yeah. But I was like, you recognize him? She's like, you've got to be kidding me. I was like, yeah. That's Kingpin like 30 years ago. Right. Isn't that wild? <clears throat> yeah. But uh, the story goes, and I, I hope this is true. We've certainly talked about this before. We're going to talk more about The Shining in a minute. But uh, the story goes that Arlie Ermey, you know, who had been a Marine, uh, there's so much terminology I don't want to mess up here because Marines do not like having their terminology messed up. But he was, <clears throat> he was in the Vietnam era as somebody who was a um, drill sergeant um, on what used to be Paris Island. And so he was brought in as a consultant to make sure they got every single bit of it right. And including, you know, the way that he would, you know, the, 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 the part that's easy to miss if you kind of fight club this and get it wrong is that ultimately he's trying to save those guys. He knows they're cannon fodder. He knows most of them are going to go and die. And so he's trying to make them into killers because he thinks he's not going to say this in like a nice way, but he's trying to keep them alive. That's yeah. why he treats them like that. Right. It's, as I grew up, I started really appreciating that more. Um, but Arlie Ermey, who you've certainly seen in many things, including this, um, said to... Oh, you know what else he's in? Isn't he in, is he in is it Seven, I want to say? He's in a few movies that are just real good. He, he goes to Kubrick or Kubrick's people. You've got to take all this with a grain of salt. But the story goes that after, after there'd already been some filming, obviously the casting was done. Maybe they were in rehearsals, but the point is he goes to Kubrick's people and goes, look, you gotta, you got to get, get a different actor. This guy's not cutting it. And that act, he goes, that actor should be me. And, uh, and they're like, yeah, well, you're not an actor, dude. You're a Marine. Don't say retired Marine. They hate when you say that. You're a Marine like you're not an actor. And the story goes that he went ham on Kubrick, got in his face, and was screaming like he does in the first half of Full Metal Jacket. He's going full bore on, um, on Kubrick to like where he practically like wet his pants. And he's like, yeah, okay, that was, that was good. I got to admit that was good. He's like, but here's the thing. If you want this job, story goes, if you want this job, 
you're going to have to pass this test. You're real good at coming up with all these, you know, the best part of your got left on your mama's blah, blah, and all that. You could do all this, this great insult stuff that you used to do for your career. But do you think you could do that? Could you, could you do that for like 10 or 15 minutes? And he's like, I done it for my whole career. I could absolutely do it. He says, could you do it while my staff and I are throwing tennis balls at you? Could you do it for 15 minutes without repeating mm -hmm, yourself? Mm -hmm. He said, let's do it right now. And the story goes that he totally did it. They threw tennis balls at him and he did Sergeant Hartman style insults screaming while they threw tennis balls at him for 15 minutes. Yeah. Is that the story you've heard? That is the same story that I've heard and that he did that uh, it, it just, just because he, it, at that point he was invested in the movie. He wanted to make it a great movie and he felt Make that sure the story's told right. He know? was the only person to do it. Yeah. He exactly, was the only exactly. person who could have done it and done it, done it the way it needed to be done. That's commitment. <sighs> I like that guy. Oh, Sergeant Pyle. Everybody he went on to good. host a, was it a, um, Nat yeah, Geo? He had like or a gun, they have a gun show or something a like, adventure they, show? like giant guns of the Am out, I wrong? Was he? I feel like he was in, <clears throat> I feel like he was in seven. Mm. IMDb seven. What was he in that? I feel well. I think he was. Wasn't he the boss in seven? Uh, yes, police captain. Really? Yep. He'd be pretty good as that, I would imagine. I don't remember. I guess yeah, I'm watching it. The, Speaking he's of, he's got the Emma Walsh. Well, that's a hell of a movie. That is a hell of a movie. I am pushing the limits now with my oh, son. No, 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 no! Don't go too far. Pushing the limits. Hateful Eight. Uh huh. Oh, that is also a long movie. Thank you. And it's a, it's a, uh, it's like a bottle episode movie. Isn't it mostly in that one cabin? Uh, most of it. Yeah. I mean, the first, you know, first half hour of it is Kurt Russell, you know, telling people to put their guns in the snow, but otherwise it mm -hmm. takes place in the, mostly in, um, in the cabin. Yeah. It's a great nice movie. To see Samuel Jackson getting some parts. He's Samuel yeah. Jackson is great in everything. He was great in Jackie Brown. You I know, finally watched Jackie Brown. It's funny sport. because like my son does not generally know actors' names, and he's like, "Oh, uh -huh. Samuel L. Jackson's in this." I'm like, <laughs> I'm "Like, yeah, he's, he's, like, he's oh, mostly I like always him. been Nick, Nick Fury in our house." <laughs> yeah, uh, one of my favorite lines from Seven, which is one in my file of uh, what's in the box. Did I get it right? Twitter bio. No, 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 no. I'm not that guy. Uh, it's when. You know, there's there's some tension between uh, Morgan Freeman's character and Brad Pitt's character. And he's like, what's in the box? He's like, don't look in the he box. Goes, what's, what's in, in the, box? the box? Don't look in there. <clears throat> yeah. Um, no, it's when they're at one of the, one of, they're on like the third sin. And, <laughs> and Brad Pitt is like getting onto a table to like, I think he's going to go look at what's behind the painting or whatever. Mm -hmm. And Morgan Freeman goes, now Somerset's climbing on the furniture. <laughs> 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 that's such a great line. Yeah, that's a good one. Oh man, the credits for that. Um, so what I did was, what had happened was, uh, do you, do you want me to talk more about this? Or you want to talk about something? I'll, how, how about I'll make it short? I'll make it short. No, I'm telling you, say what you got to say. Well, I, you know, now that I'm repeating myself, I might as well go all the way. Um, but you know, and so like, I, I, I sound like I'm being defensive about this. What I'm actually trying to do is to clarify that as with so much what we can sort of generally call self-help stuff, it all does seem very obvious. Often it seems, these are things that seem very obvious or they are see, things that seem very over-engineered. Uh, that certainly is a known issue with the productivity racket, for sure. But, you know, if, if you're the sort of person that says to yourself, why, why would I need all that infrastructure? Well, you know, if you've ever, <clears throat> excuse me, if you've ever had a New Year's resolution that you tried to do more than once, you know the answer, mm -hmm. which is you can't be trusted mm -mm. To, to that. 
And it's not, I don't care that you can't be trusted, but you should care. If you break deals with yourself, uh, something needs to change. Whether that's not being on time for things you agreed to be on time for, whether that's not finishing things that you told uh, other people you had finished. It's bad to disappoint other people. It's bad to like, um, not live up to a deal with another person. But uh, one thing that might make uh, you and me a little different is I think it's worse to disappoint yourself. Um, that's you, you, I hope you can forgive yourself for those disappointments, but there's nobody else in the world that can help you um, live up to the deals that you make with yourself except for you, really, mostly. Mm-hmm. Um, and if you believe otherwise, this is the wrong show for you. Like this, this, this starts with the assumption that you would like to have the agency that you don't have right now or you'd like to accomplish things that you are not accomplishing right now. Mm-hmm. And that kind of, um, you know, uh, blue sky solutioneering is really what we're here to vend. So pounce on privilege, put all that aside. Um, you need infrastructure and you need to think stuff through. You don't need to think all the things all the way through. But before we get to the artfulness of making those sorts of decisions, you know, you, you, you know, one of the reasons I did retire from the productivity racket was the idea that I was helping to feed content into an industry of people, an industry in which um, our consumers were being encouraged to scarf down life hacks all day long without having the presence of mind to realize what those life hacks should be in service of, mm-hmm. to have a vision of like sort of what, how you would like your life to be better. Um, and if you do that just as a leisurely entertainment fun thing, like your new cigarette, if that's your new cigarette, your new cigarette break is I go read about life hacks before I go back to data entry. That's fine. But don't imagine you're helping yourself over much unless you're also making a commitment to like trying to like do something real, something that helps you be the person you'd like to be. And I think it's all that corny stuff aside. I know nobody cares, but to do those sorts of things, you do need infrastructure. And, and whether this is life hacks or whether this is, uh, any other like special projects, uh, it does take a presence of mind. So, you know, any, anything you do to make an improvement, I'm trying to avoid saying life hacks again, but like, maybe like I just had to mess around. I had to do some stuff with my bash profile. That was really not fun. I, uh, it was a long story, but like, and I've got the book, you know, I got the O'Reilly book, but I had to do just the simplest, what I thought was the simplest thing which is I'm trying to get MK Docs working, but I needed to um, update my brew, and I was having trouble the alias to my profile, my, my Bash profile had broken, and did a bunch of different things, and it was all super annoying, and then like the wrong paths were in there, and it was just all like, oh, this is not a fun way for me to spend my day. But like, that's a great, to me, that's a great workout. How's that a great workout? Well, first of all, I go like, wait a minute, what am I doing here? Do I need to be doing this? And then I go, you know, why are you doing this? I go, well, I'm doing this because I'm trying to get Brew installed um, and Brew updated. And then I'm going to get this. I think it's called MK Docs. It's really cool. Have you ever seen MK Docs? You'll see it on lots of GitHub yes. type pages mm-hmm. where it's it's a really cool, lightweight. It almost reminds me a little bit of like Rails where you just open a server and it basically is turning your .md files into constantly updated um, web pages. And then you can... Um, what's the word? Not serve is how you turn it on. But then you hit a thing to basically push it out to a folder as HTML. And Bob's your uncle. You've got a Jekyll-like way to now have this easily maintainable stuff. It's it's really, really cool. And I said, oh, well, you know what? I really kind of don't need this. How did I end up wanting to do this? Well, first of all, this is the kind of thing I've always enjoyed doing. I've always enjoyed figuring out like how to install like an open source CMS. What was the old one? Like Plume or Plong or Prap? Plume. Boom. Remember like back in the day when everything was all about, I don't even, there was Nuke. 
like was a PHP Nuke. There were all the different like open source CMSs, and I would play with every single one because like once I'd gotten hooked on movable type, I just loved the idea of having my own little, you know, somebody else's engine that I could like, you know, eventually beat into place. Mm -hmm. But why am I doing this? I go like, oh, well, this is actually kind of cool and fun, and this is good to know. And it looks like I actually did try to do this once once before. It's not difficult. But then I was like, okay, well, like, but like how long today do I want to spend trying to mess with my bash profile for this? And at that point I realized I'm like a couple clicks away from useful. I'm, I'm, I'm a little bit away from where I started. And I got to tell you, that could be fun. Anytime I get the whiff that somebody's going either, well, not so much that's fine for Merlin, but more like, like, how is that your job? Like, what are you doing when yeah. you do that? Like, all this home assistant stuff you're doing, all this stuff you're doing with Stream Deck, all these things with cameras, like, what in the hell does that have to do with whatever your job is? Is a voice that sometimes comes into my head called the internet. And then, you know, what I, I do is I say to myself, well, my job used to be, be a guy who just got out of college and line edit uh, Microsoft Word files. And somehow that became... The guy who's now a couple years out of college and makes computer graphics, not very good, but computer graphics for a living. But like, why would I, why would you waste your time learning about the internet in 1994? Like, why would you waste your time like stealing other people's HTML source code and trying to figure out how a bold <laughs> tag works? Why, why though, I, I don't know, it sounds like I'm being like trying to be funny here, but like, real talk, what if I hadn't bothered? to learn how to make web pages in 1994, 95. I'm, I'm roughly concurrent with... Um, okay, so, so check check this out. I'll, I'll give you a perfect illustration of I'm glad I did it, Dan. That, that, that was saying. not part of my job, but I'm super... It was absolutely not part of my job, but I'm so glad I dicked around with that thing that wasn't my job. I remember I was sitting there in my college dorm and a new version of Windows had come out. It was probably... You know, this was well before Windows 95, so it was, you know, could have been mm -hmm. Windows for work groups, something like that. And I had installed it and I was sitting there and, and you know, college meant that my desk was sort of in the closet. Um, mm -hmm. So I'm sitting there on the computer and... <laughs> my people use every part of the dorm room. Yeah. And I, I was, I remember I was learning about Windows and, you know, what, what the different directories contained and how the system worked and editing the win.ini file and all of that stuff and familiarizing myself with the locations of all the files and the DLLs and other things like that, that you used to have to do because I wanted to be in IT and like I was teaching myself about it. And it was so new that there wasn't a book that I could have bought for it. And the internet was very much a new <laughs> thing and you couldn't like Google anything. I think our Walden books had two, our Walden had two, two books about the internet and I bought both of them. <laughs> That's right. You owned, every book about the internet at you the time owned was all of them. Half, a, half appendix uh -huh. of just every Usenet group. Right. And so <laughs> right. my girlfriend was there and she was looking at me, watching me do this. And she's like, what are you doing? I'm like, well, I'm learning about, you know, Windows. She's like, open folder, close folder. Open folder, close folder. Open folder, close folder. And I'm like, what? Well, because that's what I was doing from her standpoint. Oh, I, see. I was I looking see, I inside see. each of the folders and learning what was inside of it and making notes and stuff like that. Doing that is like how I got my first job out of school because I, you know, I spent time. You learned a thing other people didn't know yet. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. And, um, yeah. You know, and this, this something, was, something that to most people would be useless. Yeah. It's almost like it's a special skill. Yeah. And, and, and like, I, I was just curious about it, but if you look back, like it seems inane what I was doing 
uh, like and weird, but that's how I learned so that then I knew like, okay, when an application installs stuff, it puts stuff here and that's what a DLL is. And, you know, like I learned all this stuff. Yeah. And well, it, the, the, yeah, sorry. it's very, well, I'm just going to say it's, it's similar to like what you were doing and, and what I was doing. It's absolutely similar. There's an old joke um, in technology, especially with personal computing, that everything start, starts with porn and games, <laughs> except it's not a joke. Right. Like there is a, uh, a passionate task here. There's something I would like to be able to accomplish. Yeah. And this actually, this figures in a wonderful episode of uh, Halt and Catch Fire, which I finally have discovered. Um, but, uh, you know, games... Um, I mean, I missed I, my, I, it's not in my genes. It's not in my genetic makeup to be into games, but like, I absolutely understand it's important as importance as an industry. It's been bigger than movies for years now, mm-hmm. but also like that desire to tinker to, to get to, let's say, how do I get games on this thing? Well, that leads a lot of people to like learn some stuff. Like if it weren't for Usenet, I wouldn't have learned any regular expressions. <laughs> oh yeah. Using that binary groups, uh, it really helped for me to learn a little bit of just the tiniest bit of regular expressions. Yep. Do I use it every day? No, not at all. I'm the furthest thing from a technology person at this point. I have to invent the wheel over and over, but, and I'm not here to make a case for just screwing around all the time, but if you're a curious person, it, it doesn't hurt to learn a little bit about a thing. Mm-hmm. I've had to learn just the tiniest bit of like, not how to program Python, but just how to do, how Python works a little bit from a user standpoint and how YAML configuration files work. This is all part of this home assistant rack king I've been working on home automation giant thing that I do want to return to soon. I guess what I'm saying is like, but, but at least in that instance, I went, okay, like you're doing a fun thing here, but you're a couple side jumps away from where you wanted to start. And I'm just bad enough at this stuff where I sometimes do remember to catch myself and go, okay, Let's take a minute here. And what is it we're really working on here? And I was like, um, cause, cause you know, like, I don't really understand how bash works. I, I can't write my own shell script. I can copy and paste your shell scripts, but like, I don't know how to do any of that. I'd have to get in the car with Jason Snell probably to figure any of that out. I couldn't, I couldn't do anything with Microsoft access at this point. I don't know what I'm doing, but I did say to myself, well, this is a kind of a fun thing, but let's not spend too much more time on this. How about this? How about you, you know, uh, rename the file you know, dot bash underscore profile back, B-A-K, right? Mm-hmm. And guess what? My old profile, wherever it is, started working again. And I was like, oh, that's cool. I'm glad I caught myself. Now, I don't want my day that started out being about my job and then became about this uh, sub part of my job, then became about my like early afternoon project time where I'm like, well, I'm bouncing things down or uploading or doing whatever I'm doing. And this is my time to go dick around with my fun projects that I like to do. So this is allocated good time for me, but what would have happened if I kept trying to mess around with my bash profile and I forgot a, what, semicolon? Like, what if I tried just manually pasting in these paths from backups from 2012 mm-hmm. where I don't know what I'm doing? Right. I hope you're hearing this, John Syracuse, because I just want to see the sweat pouring down your face. <laughs> what if I just started doing that? What if I just started going in and manually doing all of this stuff? And they go, oh, no, 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 I'll go shoot, 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 echo, uh, echo, greater than cat, uh, 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 and then the computer crashes, you know. Uh, No, I just said, you know, this is worth just a tiny bit more time, but not a lot more time. And don't screw yourself up. Don't paint yourself into a corner. Don't generate new problems for yourself if you're just doing a fun project. Like, stop going to the batting cages if you keep getting hit in the eye. And so I, the, the irony of that is, yeah, I got to do my fun little thing, MK Ducks. I think that's what it's called. I'll find it for notes. It's very cool. I don't have a super need for it. I've been wanting to do a self-hosted Jekyll-style 
think it's called Jekyll Pelican. Mm-hmm. But yeah. I've wanted to do some kind of like a self-hosted mm, blogging engine, I guess. Yeah. I've always been interested in the lightweight versions of that people have made. But no, I don't want to go all in on that. And I don't, I'm glad I caught myself and I did not need to pull out the O'Reilly book on Bash in order to like make a lot of other stuff work right. again. Right, Um. Let's see. So I, uh, do we have time for Stanley Kubrick? I want to just, yeah, we have, we get yeah, you me, a few minutes. Let me tell you about the second thing I like. And then we would you do that for the, me? I would really appreciate it. All right. That. It is, it is Merlin surprise at Squarespace. Now is that his blogging engine? Yes, it is. But it's just a blogging engine. No, but you, you got to patch it all the time. You probably got to patch it all the never time. Never have to upgrades, patch it. A lot of upgrades. So much more than. What about SEO? Do I have to do my own SEO? It's built in. Do I have to do things to make it work on, on mobile devices straight out of the box? Never. Hmm. But it's one something where I would have to go in and probably do some PHP uh, in, include once. Never. Uh, at the top in order to change the menu. Do Absolutely not. Absolutely not. I don't have to do that. Okay. Never. No. All right. Everything. But what if I want to sell stuff? What if I want to sell stuff for, or, or, or plan an event? Built in e-commerce. Okay. But you can't put Amazon links in there, can you? Yes, you can. And you can get the affiliate money. What if I only know how to drag and drop? Then that's all you need to do. Hmm. Huh. But I only, it, only get, it only comes in one color. Any color, there's, hun- there's tons of templates that you can choose from and you can customize them yourself. But but aren't even made by world-class designers? Yes, yeah. they are. They are. You're telling me that there is some super, this is like, you know, like <laughs> Lisa and the pork chop and the hot dog. There's some some magical website out there that has all of these things built in. Oh, but let me guess, if I, if, if I get confused about something, there's probably no source of support that's available 24 hours a day, right? 24-7 award-winning customer Seven. support. Okay. What's it called? Squarespace. Huh. Okay. So you, go ahead. you just go to Squarespace. I just want to clarify what we're talking about Squarespace.com here. is the place to go. But when you go there, go to squarespace.com slash it's your show and uh, use the promo code it's your show. When you do that, you'll get your free trial. And then when you're ready to launch, you're going to use that, that promo it's your show and you're going to get 10% off your first purchase of a website. Or did I mention, or did you mention that they well, also have Well, I think have you have to bring names. your own domain. I'm guessing a service like this, you have to somehow figure out how to get a domain from out there in the world and then you bring it in. You go to like, uh, you go to, go to stopmama.com or whatever and you go, you bring in your own domain. They won't sell you a domain, will they? They absolutely will. They absolutely will. They probably will. only have like .biz and .io, right? Do they have any other domain name extensions? They have over 200. I don't think there are 200, Dan. There are. Don't lie to our listeners. I think there was like 190 something and they just made up some extra ones to to make it round Oh, so now you can get like dot clock. Right. Or pound sign privilege. Something. Okay. But they've got that. They've got the analytics. They've got everything that you're going to need right And you can just get, you're saying, I'm sorry, I'm so sorry, I'm sorry. You're saying you can just get this. If you want this, you just go get this and then you have your own website on the internet. Is that correct? That is correct. But you have to build it from source. You don't. You don't have to do anything. You just show up. You just go to squarespace.com slash it's your show. You just show up and All start right. doing your stuff, man. All right. Okay. That's it. All right. I mean, sure. Whatever. It seems to me that if this Squarespace did exist and was available for, like, say, is it, it's like, it's like over 15. It's probably, it's probably 20. Is it, is it $700 a month? What, what is it? What are the prices start at? Do you remember? Uh, you know, I, uh, I, I like when you ask me this. Um, yeah. Because, Squarespace traditionally, they uh-huh. the only way that you're going to get any kind of good discount on this is is through us through this show. I just want to be clear mm-hmm. about that because I think people get confused. They think they can you go have to the unique, site. A, a unique relationship where you've worked out a deal for our listeners. That's right. It's it, my show, and and okay. so this is the best place to do it. The the cheapest plan that you're going to get uh-huh. is going to be uh, twelve dollars per month. But mm, okay, I I don't know that. Does that, that seem like a lot to you? 
That no, that seems too low to me. Too low? I mean, that's weird. That's like that's like that's but like we're giving uh, them 10% two, two off, unhealthy sandwiches. We're giving them ten percent off of, of their first All purchase. Right. But that you can't get a domain with that ten percent off, can you? Yes. If it's your first purchase, you're telling me you can get ten percent off, and then I want it to go live on my show, and I want to get that up there. You're saying I can just do just anybody can just do. That. Why isn't everyone doing this, Dan? What is the question that I have? Why isn't why isn't everyone doing this? Well, I think now they will be. Okay. Okay then. So thanks very much to Squarespace for making this show possible. Last time, squarespace.com slash it's your show, promo code, 10% off. First purchase, it's your show. Thanks, Squarespace. Buck, buck. Uh, I'm going to truncate this last part, except to say, hey, if you guys have, uh, do, uh, what we talk about, you know, it's uh, Raymond Carver all the way down. Hmm. Uh, what we talk about when we talk about infrastructure. If these topics interest you like they interest me, and, uh, you know, throw me a bone. Like, uh, go to the internet and tell me, um, and don't be a dick. But tell me, tell me about like stuff you'd like to talk about. Are there are there areas of your life where you think this might be relevant, but you're not sure? Um, are there are there things where you, you've got a little hang up? You know, we are nominally, uh, you know, an award winning show about productivity. I mean, does anybody ever check if you want an award? I don't think anybody checks. So you're saying you, people are saying that they've won awards, and in reality, they have not. Well, won I've seen it on a lot of your shows where it's, I think you called this show or whoever wrote the 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 blah blah text at the top. I, at one point, it did say award winning. Well, we did win an now, award. What kind of a major award? Yeah, well, it was a significant award. I don't know if it's called major, but it. Uh, oh, sorry, Colonel Award. It, it uh, was Staff Sergeant Gun- Gunnery Sergeant Award. It was awarded to us by what used to be called iTunes. Um, oh, and it was oh. like we were like show of the year or something at some point. Oh, that's nice. That's nice. Yeah, well, you know, I, I Roderick on the Line has won the prestigious Australian Phony Award, so I'm not exactly sweating it. <laughs> okay. Love you, like your nurses scrubs. Hey, guy. So what? Uh, what was? What did you have to say about Kubrick? The subtle thing that I did was this, and you'll hear this all. Please go and listen. You know, I don't usually do this, but I'm gonna say go listen to. Uh, if you got time for both, God, we had three hours of content last week. It's so exhausting. But um, Do Bad Friday is a very anarchic, silly show that Alex and I do, and the after show I think was really good. Like I say, and it's it goes places. It's it's got feels uh, with two e's. Um, uh, but, but, but for a double dose of my yimpin, that's not a joke. Uh, what? So what I realized, what I want, <laughs> I think I need to be rebooted. Uh, long story short, and I, I, I explained this in the after show from Dubai Friday last week, but like what I realized was like, I go home in the afternoon and I have all my sort of chores to do all of my, as they say, heavy lifting. And it's always that time of day that I'm really fried and I'm kind of tired, even though I don't really have a normal job. But I'm kind of, I'm whipped. And like, it just sucks that like the first interface I have with my family after the morning times is that I'm going to come home and be like cranky and have to do chores. Mm-hmm. And just the subtlest, dumbest change is like, I if I do have heavy stuff to bring home, I now do that in the early afternoon. And when I go home in the early afternoon, that's also when I do the chores. That's when I go up and down two flights of stairs to like take out all the trash and the recycling and doing all the things. And like, that has been such a salutary change. I don't do it every day. I'm not perfect at it. But after one day of doing that, I felt so much better about myself. And I, I helped create uh, just slightly improve an environment that the three people and two horrible animals live in. And it made me feel really good. And, and another reason it made me feel really good is that's infrastructure. That's infrastructure at work, which is I'm, I put some rails on this thing and it all started with me just realizing something that was not optimal. Mm-hmm. Where is there an improvement opportunity? Mm-hmm. For me, that improvement opportunity, which has had great cascading effects, is like, and, and like I say, I go into this more in, in that show, but like, you get the idea. How dumb is that? 
is like, do your chores four hours earlier. Yeah. Yeah. It's really great. And then when I come home, the house is clean because I cleaned it. Like I did, I did the, the, the family dishes and I took out the trash and I was a good boy. I don't, I don't need a ribbon for that, but like, it does make me feel good. It makes me feel good that I noticed it and took care of it. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. It's like, it's, 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 it's really satisfying. However dumb. Uh, and like I say, like, I don't care if you care about that, but I care about that. And I'll bet there's something that you care about where you just need to notice a little bit more and make a subtle change. And think it through, you know? This is the curse of the project manager. There's nothing that we won't think through, which makes us terrible company a lot of the time because we're constantly finding risks and concerns and things to be anxious about, which is why we get the big bucks. Mm -hmm. But, you know, I mean, it's part of it, but it's also just having, having the presence of mind to know that, like, as I used to like to say in the 73 folders days, you know, project management is not the water, but it's the glass. It's the thing that the water goes in that keeps the water from being everywhere at once all the time. And I think that's what we're talking about here is some level of personal project management, mm -hmm. even if it's for a non-special project. You know, um, and just one more example here for me, and this is something I talked about a lot on Rectifs, is, uh, you know, like when I take down the recycling, that's also, now that I'm downstairs, why don't I grab something from downstairs that needs to come upstairs? Oh, that's a good idea. Is there anything else down here that needs to come? Oh, yeah, I haven't checked the mail. I got to get the mail. Get the papers, get the papers. <laughs> Dumb stuff like that <laughs> is like, is that, and, and I do find this to be really valuable, is to push yourself a little bit. And in, 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 like, in, not in a difficult way, but like push yourself. Okay, here, okay here's the classic example. Um, I'm trying to bake something and we don't have self-rising flour. Okay, I, should, should I go to the store and get self-rising flour? Yes, please. Okay, is that the entire exchange? I hope not. You're going to go to the store in this economy? You're going to go to the store just for a bag of flour? Because you know what would be a good question to ask? Do we need anything else? Mm -hmm. Now, like saying, what does everybody want for dinner? It's a pointless question because no one will say, they'll say whatever you want, right? But what if we push a little bit? Okay, you're baking. Do you need anything else for baking? No, no, I've got, I think I've got, you know what, actually though, if we could get some, uh, this, uh, this baking powder is kind of played. Could you get a new one of those? Ooh, you know what else is played is our, uh, that I made crab legs the other night and our old bay is kind of nasty. Can I, why don't you get another old bay also? At this point, who would say, oh, but old bay is not part of your baking project. It's out of scope. No, you've got to, you've got to get it. You pick it up. <laughs> but like, what if you pushed just a little bit more? What are you going to do when you're done uh, with all this baking? I guess I'll do the dishes. Okay. Um, do you need dishwashing liquid? You know what? We actually really super do. Okay. Um, you see where this is going, push yourself, push. So in my case, like when I'm home in the afternoon, I say to myself, well, are there any home things that need to be done here? Okay. There's these things. Are there any things that need to go from my house to the office? When I'm at the office, I say to myself before I leave, are there any things from the office that need to go to the house? That's how dumb this stuff is, which is also how transformational this stuff is. To quote, to quote, uh, the international business machines company, think, or as I say in my parlance, remember to remember. It's the most difficult thing in the world and it's the most seemingly simple thing in the world and you'll never forget. You'll, you'll always forget how much you forgot until you remember to remember. Mm, Put that on a keychain. That's tricky. It. That is very tricky. Moving on. You're watching. Um, and so you were talking about Kubrick mm -hmm. and pushing the envelope with Junior a little bit. 
Yeah, what, I, think, uh, I what, think so. What were you talking about? And he's seen The Shining, is that right? Yeah, oh yeah. And do you fast over uh, Room 237? We have um, we have a, a blanket that I will okay. throw, oh, throw over him. Like, you know how <laughs> when they're trying to capture something in a jungle, they have like a like a net that they net. sort of eject yeah. and, and throw. It's like that. I'll throw the blanket. You got a movie blanket. Okay, I like So that, that way he can hear what's going on and I can I can describe in as much detail as I'm willing kind of paint a picture of what's going on. That sounds on. like a creepy old woman walking yeah, slowly. <laughs> right. And, uh, and you know, and <laughs> it sounds like, sounds like a couple furries. Yeah. And you just kind of describe, you just describe loosely yes. what kind of what's going on. Oh, you do uh, what do they call the audio, uh, audio uh, descriptive track? Yeah. Like commentary. Yeah. Okay. That's good. And, um, yeah. and then, uh, basically, you know, I just kind of, kind of present a, 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 a gist of what's going on and mm-hmm. then then uh then Put on your jit, jit hub when it's done he'll, can i take the blanket away yet nope nope you cannot and then uh, this right. is a long this is a really long scene i'm like yes it is that's me when rebar goes through a russian's leg except for my wife Ugh. she's like and, and, and the kid's like what what this is fine this is no worse than gray's anatomy and i'm like yeah well gray's anatomy is really gross and my wife would be the one under the movie blanket and told me okay the russian with the rebar is gone now <laughs> Mm. And so, uh, how did we get to talking about Kubrick, Room Two Thirty? Oh, I you, you said I, I believe you said you've been watching some of the documentaries. Yeah, some I've of seen the, a lot um, of documentaries. Extra material. So tell tell me some of the ones that uh, that you like. What's one you've watched recently? Um. Because uh, hmm. like, okay, here's what here's the thing. I, I'm I was using. I'm sorry. I'm I'm I was using that time to try and find the one episode where we talked about this. Hey, here's a tip for y'all. You know, there's that site Google for finding stuff. You know, great trick. I'll bet you there's at least one person out there who doesn't know this. If you know something is on a website, you might know this. You can do site colon five by five dot TV. Right. And then that will, that will restrict term. your Google search to the site that you've specified. That's correct. But you know what? It gets better because y'all might know that. If you don't do that, it's awesome. But you know, you can also do <clears throat> site colon five by five dot TV slash B2W mm. and search terms and we'll find things restricted to that subdirectory. Mm. It's crazy helpful. You put that in quotes, now you got a stew. Because I feel like there was one where we talked about that very, remember that website? It was very Netscape looking, that gray Netscape looking site about, what's it called? Walls, doors, windows. Do you remember that insane online book? No. About the shining? Oh my God. Well, at the documentaries that I've been watching, uh, are actually most of there is there is one or two of them that you mentioned before that are sort of you know like higher higher budget productions, but there are a lot on YouTube and mm-hmm. there are a lot of them that are complete waste of time. But there are a handful of them that are really really great and that you can um, that you can watch and learn about a specific person's sort of theory on some of them are like overall theories of the shining and what it really means. Others are like, Mm -hmm. like um, Jack isn't real or, you know, so it it depends on kind of what angle you want to take. But, um, and there's the one that's really, I think it it might be room 237 is the one I'm thinking of, but there's one that's like, it's wackadoo, but like Mm well-made that, and that's where you get into like the native American stuff, right? Yes. That's, that's the one. And it, it, there's, there's a guy, um, and I'm forgetting, hold on. I think, let me look here. I might be subscribed to him. Um, because he does a lot of like movie analysis and a lot of kind of Kubrick specific 
analysis. I'll see if I can find him after we're done recording because I don't want to get too distracted. But he okay. um, he does a lot of analysis of this and he talks about all the different theories. And of course, there's like the Apollo 11 sweater that Danny's wearing mm-hmm. in, in the one the goofy, scene. The goofy in the background. And the goofy in the background. And I'd like, love to drop you a link, baby. Are you ready? Yeah. Click through. I think that's you. Right. Mazes, mirrors, deception, and denial. An in-depth analysis of Stanley Kubrick's The Shining. I found it in yeah, episode. Yeah, uh, Rob Agger, Agger, he is the guy yeah, that yeah. does the- Is the, that the guy? That's the same guy. That, thank no you for kidding. My, yeah, is he on. nuts? I mean- this it, is from Dan, this is from episode 34 of your Back to Work program. Yeah, here's a link to September his- September 2011, never forget. Yeah, I'll put it into the show notes here for him to his channel. He does a lot of under- uh, like. I would say undervalued uh, reviews really? of things. I think oh, so he, he's not he's not a nut because I got the feeling from what th- this he is might like, be a nut. Well, because there's all this stuff and the, the the thing this is a guy this guy's all about like the kinds of things that would normally just be consigned to the goofs section of IMDb, mm-hmm. which of course is just all there's so much wisdom to be found in the goofs section of IMDb. But like oh, so why is there if they're in an interior office? At what's his name's office? Why would he have a window? A window behind it. Yes, they they talk about. He talks about all of that stuff. And you know, right. I I don't. And think... we walk here. They've walked around. They, there's an area back here where they've walked around. Right. Like, there's no way. This is an impossible. But building. here's here's what I have to say about this: is that on the one hand, there is this. Anyone who does these documentaries, every single person starts it with. Kubrick was a master who made no mistakes. Everything that he <laughs> did. Was he, spent, he spent so long just looking at doors in London to pick one door. Right. Now, like, nothing he, in this could be something different from his intention because he's never had even like a boom in frame. Everything he's done is exactly. But you perfect. know what? I, I think in this situation, he's like, we'll just have him turn the corner and uh, walk into the office. Like, I really don't think that it's supposed to be an impossible office. I really don't think that that was intentional. No, no. I, 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 you know, <laughs> I don't either. And it's not a mistake. I think they made a movie. <laughs> right. It's not a <laughs> it's mistake. A <laughs> it's just, well, you know, this, this is the, we'll use this as his office. You know, like it's something like that. And yeah. I, I really don't think that he sat there saying, he, you know, like 3 a.m. one morning on like a Sunday morning. And, right. and like, well, there's a maze outside. There's an important scene in this area outside that mm-hmm. is a maze. Mm-hmm. And there's a model of the maze. Get it? Model of maze, mm. maze, what you call corn, mm. Native American. Are you getting this, people? It's three. It's a, it's a, it's a full, it's a video iPod, an internet communicator, and a maze hedge maze. <laughs> But then and this, it's all intentional. Nothing is <laughs> this guy Rob. I mean, he also does does movies uh, reviews. Like for example, one of them is uh, about um, Jungian psychology in Full Metal Jacket. Um, hmm. He does um, that's interesting. All kinds of like I don't know a ton about that, but that, but that's interesting. I mean, the, if you just go to his videos page, yeah. I mean, um, I, I I'm just saying like I don't, yeah. I I wouldn't have a, a gut check without seeing it, but that sounds interesting. Yeah. And a lot of times, you know, as we used to say, you're just asking the question. Right. You know, sometimes it's just more like, yeah, like me, I used to think that maybe Toy Story 3 was actually about the Holocaust. I'm not sure that's true. I think ultimately it's what it's always been about, which is about parenthood. But like sometimes, you know, if you've had an edible, maybe you get an idea in your head about a way where suddenly a lot's explainable with this, you know, with, with a couple things. Those are, that's fun college dorm talk. That's good stuff. Yes. But, you know... Let me put it to you this way. Um, think about this. You think about if somebody writes, okay, so if somebody writes a well-regarded nonfiction book and has a good editor or good editors, 
Uh, you know, you do everything you can to fact check it. Obviously, <laughs> do a spell check. Um, you know, things the Washington Post, you know, can't be troubled to do anymore. But you, if you, you know, you try to find all the obvious errors. That's what an editor does. But an editor also goes in and a uh, book editor um, also says things like, this could be a lot clearer. This could be shorter. Like, you didn't really show your work here, et cetera. All the kinds of things that, despite what some people who are now on Substack like to think, they're actually trying to save your ass. They're trying to keep you from looking like a monkey right. by showing you like, hey, I'm a reader. And you know who's going to read this book? Other readers. And so like, I'm a pretty careful reader, which is why I get the big bucks. And I'm just here to tell you, this is not as clear as you think it is. And you're going to get your ass handed to you if you do this. Like I can just, just imagine whatever, every sentence you're writing, imagine it being quoted on Reddit and what someone will say. They're trying to save your ass. But you know, things happen, mistakes happen. A nonfiction book comes out and it needs to be corrected or updated. Like if there are errors, you know, errata, there are things where in the second edition, they'll fix that, right? And this could go on and on. You get books like, um, God, there are like, I've had copies of Strunk and White that I feel like have like five different preface, pre pre preface, how do you say it? Prefaces? Prefaces. prefaces. Right? Where it's like the preface to the 1961 edition, preface to, and it's like just, because this book is so old, it doesn't get super updated because that's kind of the point. They're trying to say like, like it or not, these are what we hope are some fairly enduring takes on how the English language works. But- if you got a mistake in there, you fix it. Here's my question to you. If it were, so obviously editing a manuscript, the work behind it notwithstanding, editing a manuscript and um, fixing something that's an author goof in a manuscript is one thing. Doing that in a movie is another. You're generally, I think, at least for a while there, you were generally considered a nut if you did stuff like, well, like 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 our, our friend from... Uh, Skywalker Ranch did. If you like change massive parts of your movie or you like change plot points of a movie, that's considered a little bit wild, a little bit mad king to do something like that. If uh, if Mr. Kubrick were around today, well, let me ask you this. Do you think if he had the opportunity to edit it as economically as a manuscript, do you think he'd change things in The Shining? Like, okay, so for example, it... it do you think, could you imagine him wanting to change the interior window thing? Could you imagine that, in, assuming it's doable and economical, would he do that? If Do you think he thought, would find that to be an error, would he change it? I don't even think so. I think it's, he wanted I don't a think he would either. guy to have a I window totally in don't his think office. He would either. It's like, no big deal. Because the only yeah, reason mean, you're even going to notice something like that is if you go into it trying to find inconsistencies, trying to find errors, trying to find things... You're not just yeah. going to, you're not just going to see that and say, oh, because I'll tell you what, it, if, if that really had mattered, then it would have been a little more obvious to regular smarter people, not only to the 10 people who are like <laughs> looking for this, you know, well, they turned right, the right and they turned goes, right. And so then it shouldn't be. Yeah. There's a, there's a goof in the matrix where a cat walks by twice and you're like, well, that's not a goof, dude. That's right. That's part of the movie. That's meant to be seen. And I think if Kubrick was doing <laughs> stuff like that, then it would be meant to be seen. And it's always amazing to me how much people will take their own theories and philosophies and kind of put it into yeah. something that Over, they see. overlay it on somebody who has isn't in, in no position to respond yeah right and yeah. and of course yeah, that's gross even like when that. he was alive kubrick didn't like to answer any of the deeper philosophical questions about his movies he would he would be willing to say oh on its surface this is a movie about this but then if he if you really probed he would say well i want that to be something that the viewer takes away yeah um, yeah yeah and i mean 
I don't know. I think you can really, sometimes overthinking is fun. I virtually do it as a career. But, but I, I think it's also kind of neat, for example, that, um, I don't know, maybe 2001 is not for everybody. I think it's a really good movie. Uh, and I think part of what makes it such a wonderful document of the time, and some ways like Dr. Strangelove, in, in separate ways, but like Dr. Strangelove looks so good. It just, that crisp, gorgeous black and white and the cinematography, like in Jack Ripper's office with the overhead lights or in the war room. I love the way it's lit. I love the way it's shot. I love the use of light and shadows. When Dr. Strange Love rolls out of the darkness, you know, Mind Fear or I Can Walk. Um, but then like 2001, like I could see somebody going, um, <laughs> again, I'm, I'm, this is very straw man, but I could see somebody show up in the goof section and go, mm, actually, there never was a space station where we treated it like airplanes. And I'm like, mm, yeah, dude, it's, it's speculative fiction or sci-fi, like. Or like, mm, yeah, actually, that's not the way a pen would move in gravity. Right, right, burp, right, burp. right. And you'd be like, okay, well, but like, that's part of the delight of the movie is like, it's so strange that you could watch a movie like Metropolis or like 2001 or on some level like THX 1138 even. But like certain kinds of movies that really did sort of, they went for it. If you'll forgive my saying, a moonshot of like what a certain kind of future might look like and really committing to the bit. You know, you know, versus something like I like Fahrenheit 451, but it is it's very clear what year that movie was made. Um, who is that? That's one of the new wave guys, right? Is it uh, not Godard? Is it Godard? But anyway, uh, Fahrenheit 451, like it's it really. I mean, it looks more modern in when it's parodied in the aha video, but like some of that stuff can be super dated. But even Metropolis, as weird as that movie is. Yeah. Like it is still, it's still pretty amazing. It is still amazing, you know, very much. They did C-3PO before C-3PO. I know. And it was a lady. I know. Um, but I think that's part of the fun of 2001 is it really, it kind of, it it looks like a brilliant idea of, you can appreciate that for 1968, that's, that's a, there's a lot happening in that that has aged actually really quite well. I rewatched Singing in the Rain last week. I All I did was mention it in passing to Syracuse and sort of, try to sell him on Singing in the Rain because he's not a huge musical fan. He'd never seen Singing in the Rain. And I mean, I don't want to oversell Singing in the Rain, but it's widely regarded as the best movie musical of all time. It's definitely up there. But there's just, there's scenes, there's this one scene where Donald, the make him laugh scene where Donald O'Connor is 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 like doing these, this, these insane acrobatics and jumping off of walls. And you appreciate the the dance and the balletic uh you know, everything he's doing, the acrobatics of what he's doing. But then also, when you've watched it a million times, like I have, you go back and you like appreciate how amazing the edits are. That the edits, because, you know, he's a chain smoker who was running up a wall and flipping in midair. And like, you know, that's not all one contiguous shot. It's not, it's implied, you know, he's not trying to do, they're not doing one of those fake oneers. They're not doing a 1917 here. There are edits that you can see are edits, but they're so beautifully done. And you appreciate the art of this on every level, what they managed to pull off and how they blocked and shot just this one scene. And like, that'll stand the test of time forever. You know, sometimes the more we try to be incredibly futuristic or even just modern, the more we date ourselves. I always think of like when I was first coming out of high school, like the Vogue for, well, this is Rack, did you have Racks? Rack Space? Yeah. Thank you for the sponsoring this uh, bandwidth. Um, the roast beef, the fake Arby's that had atriums. Do you have racks? R-A-X? 
No. In Orlando? I don't recall um, that. But like there was this Vogue, remember like all of a sudden out of nowhere in 1985, 1986, every Burger King, every Wendy's, every, they suddenly all had an atrium. They had some kind of like a, a, a big window thing or the Vogue for like awnings. I know this is obscure, but the, the, like think about your strip mall in, you were in Orlando in the 80s, right? Yeah. No. Yeah, but yeah, ladies. Yeah, Philly then. But like, okay, just think of any strip mall and how all of a sudden, out of nowhere, they all had awnings. Right. Or, yes. Or like, you know, it's similar to the way like every shopping mall, like every Chess King, started like, like extending from the front of the store into the mall in this more like Disney like way. There are these fashions in in that kind of like, um, you know, uh, <laughs> lumpen uh, architecture. But like, and at the time, it's like, oh man, did you see Arby's got an atrium? Now the sun comes in through the roof. And like within a couple years, that look was so dated. It's just, I, all I'm trying to say is it is wild sometimes. And again, you look at something like, you know, the 1977 Star Wars movie. Like it still looks incredible. You know, my, my, uh, one of my exes always used to say, uh, no matter how good everything else in the movie is, yeah, you could tell roughly when it was shot, usually by cinematography, lighting and stuff like that, but it's always hair and makeup. Hair and makeup is what always screws up the modernness of a movie because you try to make Elizabeth Taylor look that way in Cleopatra and like you oh this was very obviously shot in the early 60s no no one looked like that well obviously a thousand years ago you might have but nobody looked like that in the 80s right I don't know I don't know I think you know art is art is a funny thing art is a very funny thing because we as consumers of art especially the more sort of highbrow or the more like what brainy it is we're always trying to add, like ask like, like what it means and i think you know arguably one interesting direction of art in the last hundred years is like well it means what it is right like, it this means is the thing what, what you feel it it's means. not supposed to be a pond like uh like monet it's not or like the, it, this is it's not a water lily it's a painting of a water lily right like that's what it is it's you know it's a, a jar of urine or what have you you know that's a good way to end it I'm going to put this in notes too. Uh, a, a podcast I love, The Flophouse. Gosh, they've been around forever. They're just wonderful. And they started doing this thing where every other week they cover a bad movie like they always have for years. But then every alternate week they do what's called a Flophouse mini. And one of the three guys like has some kind of a bit he brings to the group. And I've come to really love the minis. Um, recently, Stuart Wellington <laughs> created a, a very silly game for them to play. Um, but this one's great. So they have this, this bit they've been doing. <laughs> And it's a game show thing where Dan, um, that's your name, dude. That is. Dan McCoy is going to read you a goof from the IMDb goofs page. And you have to, <laughs> you have to tell him what movie the goof is from. Oh, nice. And it's a very funny bit, a very delightful show. And I get the feeling that they probably record them after they've recorded their regular episodes and they've had some drinks and, uh, it's very funny. The Flophouse. Wow. Oh, Dan, did you want to mention your, I've, I've done a lot of my own promoting. Um, did you, did, can I ask you to mention some of your other, other things that you're working on uh, that you're excited about right now? I mean, yeah, I Because if you put them at the end of the show, people are definitely going to hear it. <laughs> that's. Don't skip the song. The song is part of the show. That's true. Um, yeah, no, they have to listen through the end of the song. So uh, one mm -hmm. thing is I'm doing a little fireside promotion. Um, two months, you get 50% off your first two months if you use the promo code MARMAR. M-A-R-M-A-R. -M -A -R. I'm paying full price like a sucker. Marmar. 
Marmora. And then, uh, so doing that, um, Disaster Proof, I'm about to launch the discussion group. I got it all configured and set up so that all the people who are supporting disasterproof.tv, you could go there and learn about my quest to become more prepared and teach people what I learned by talking to crazies, uh, is going to be- (laughs) That's uh, what you're doing right now. Yes. uh, Mm -hmm. Is going to be coming. I'm learning my recent thing that I've been, because I've been studying all the topics and I'm going to be starting groups for people to talk. And um, it's pretty cool that the software that I'm using for the discussion groups automatically connects to the Patreon so that if you're a Patreon supporter, you get access right away and other people can read it, but they can't, they can't contribute unless they become a member. So there's all kinds of cool stuff that I'm working on. But like I've been learning a lot about Earthships recently, which I didn't know what the term was, but these are the cool is things. It, is that something you can tell me what that is without spoilers? Oh, absolutely. An Earthship is uh, basically a house that uh-huh. is at least partially if not completely underground and it makes use Whoa, of cool yeah, like cross between biodome and lord of the rings yes it has like um you know like like to cool it it will have like air that comes in from these. under the ground they're like and, built into the side of a, a hill sometimes, yeah exactly like that? that's exactly. so cool and they'll have like a sunroom and if you open the doors to the sunroom that's how it warms the house and then water comes in through a certain thing and it's got solar and there's like a the roof has like is a, a growth roof where it has like your plants on top and the thing that's drips so down cool. so like i'm learning about all this all this cool stuff so if you want to get in on that it's over disasterproof.tv and of course i do my um, morning show with the news um, sometimes in the afternoon though uh, which is at danbenjamin.live so uh, those are the places to go for that stuff I love it hey you know go out there and enjoy some podcasts they're really fun yeah 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 well I, I had most of my beverages my ice is melting and you know I never finish my coffee anymore I never have a second cup of my coffee <laughs> hmm calls coming from inside the coffee inside uh, climbing on the furniture. Hey, um, let's button this up. All right. Okay, I love you. Love you too, Merlin Man. Mm-hmm.